Good morning. How's everybody doing? Did you guys have a happy Thanksgiving? Cool. I'm curious, okay? Um, who here celebrates like a traditional Thanksgiving? Like uh, turkey, mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce, you know, pilgrim style. Cool. And for the rest of you, uh, do you guys just have like a Noche Buena dress rehearsal for Thanksgiving? Right? You have like, you know, you roast the pork, you eat the black beans, the rice, the yuca, right? Is that what everybody else does? Is that? You know, um, and people say, hey, but, but you don't have turkey for Thanksgiving. I'm like, yeah, I have turkey, but we call it fricasse de pavo, you know. But yeah, um, you know, I love the holidays. I love the holidays, and now as a father, I love the holidays even more because I get to enjoy them twice. I enjoy them for myself, and, and I enjoy them through my children, like seeing them happy. I have two boys. I brought a picture we took of them. Bob does it, so I figured I'd do it, right? There's a picture of Caleb and Joshua at the pumpkin patch. It was like practically impossible to get Caleb to sit down for like 20 seconds, but uh, that's the best I got that day. Um, and so I got these two kids, and it's just awesome just to experience life through, through the eyes of a child. Uh, recently, my son Caleb has a new favorite movie that he watches. It's, it's called Finding Nemo. Um, there's a picture, for those of you that have been under a rock for the past couple years, um, it's a story of a clownfish that um, uh, he gets lost, and then his dad goes and looks for him. It's like the prodigal son meets Aquaman. And um, so uh, that's, uh, that's Finding Nemo. And, and Caleb, he wakes up. He doesn't call him Nemo. He calls him Mimo with an M. And so he wakes up in the morning and runs to the TV, and it's like, Mom, Mimo, Mom, Mimo, Mom, Mimo. He wants to see more Nemo. And, um, and this kid loves Nemo, and Nemo's a fish. And I figured, hey, babe, why don't we take Caleb to the aquarium? He's going to love it. And so finally one day we got up, and it was our day off on a Monday, and, and we're like, let's take the kids to this aquarium. The weather's great. And we took Caleb to this aquarium, and it was amazing for me to see this kid standing in front of these huge fish tanks and just mesmerized by these humongous fish going by. And he would say, pe grande. And I'm like, all right, Caleb, let's go somewhere else. No, 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 he didn't want to leave. He just wanted to sit, uh, stand there right in front of these huge tanks. And then I took him to the smaller tank. And he's like, Nemo, Nemo, and he saw a little clownfish and thought it was Nemo. And he was just, it was just amazing for me as a dad to, to see my kid looking at this, these tanks and looking at these fish and just having a great time. And at the end of the day, we jump in the car, and, and I, I look at my wife, and I'm like, honey, wasn't it great to see Caleb looking at these fish? And it was just amazing for me. You know what? We need to get him a fish tank. She's like, oh, Mark, you're always trying to spend money. And I'm like, I'm like, no, babe, you know, we, we should really get him a tank. You'll love it. I had fish tanks when I was growing up. I, I really enjoyed them. And, and she's like, all right, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. So a couple of days later, um, I'm very persuasive. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll realize this by the end of the message. And, and about a couple of days later, she's like, babe, let's do something with the kids. And I'm like, all right. So we get in the car. She's like, where are we going? I'm we're going to PetSmart. She's like, that's your idea. Fun. I'm like, yeah, honey, it's going to be a blast. And, and so we go to PetSmart. And, uh, you know, I walk in there, and I, I want to take Caleb straight to the fish, you know, so we could do this thing quick. And, no, he sees the birds and wants to see the titis, and so we go see the birds, and then he wants to see the tua, which is the turtles, and, and then he sees the dogs that they're getting their hairs cut, and so we go to see the dogs, and so about almost an hour, we've been here for an hour, we still haven't gone to the fish area, and my wife's like, aren't we here to get a fish tank? And so we go to the fish area, and he looks at the fish, and he's like, Mimo, Mimo, and so finally we pick out a fish tank, and uh, one that would fit perfectly in this entertainment center that I have. And, and so uh, we get the tank, we get the rocks, we get the little plastic trees, the filter, the light, everything. And I'm like, all we need now is fish. Oh, we got fish food, 
And uh, we walk over to the fish area, and there's this uh, young girl. And I'm like, hey. And I'm trying to show off at this point. I told my wife I had fish tanks my whole life. And so I'm like, you guys have some hardy fish, like to start a tank. And she's like, oh, what do you mean start a tank? I'm like, yeah, I just bought a tank for my two boys, and, and we're going to set it up in the house today. She's like, oh, no. Um, you need to wait three days to put the fish in the tank. I'm like, three days? I'm like, no way. She goes, yeah, you need the chemistry to be just right. You need the filter to be running for a couple of days, the, the, the sand to settle from the rocks. I'm like, what does this 15-year-old girl know about fish tanks? I'm like, give me three of these. And so I, I get three fish, and I pay for them. On our way home, we're like halfway home. I'm like, oh, I forgot the drops. Forgot the drops. And so I'm like, I can't go back. We'll just go by Publix and buy 15 gallons of water. And then we get to Publix. You got two kids. You got to buy baby food, diapers and stuff. And I'm like, babe, the fish are in the car. So we get home. And I'm setting up my tank. And I need to plug in the pump. And so I need to get my drill and drill a hole through my entertainment center. And two hours later, the tank is set up. But the fish still aren't in the tank. And I know you got to leave the bags bouncing for a little while in the water. I'm like, forget that. I cut the thing. I throw the fish in there. Hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. They look beautiful. They look beautiful. And then I call Caleb, come here. We sit down. We look at these fish. And I felt so proud of myself, you know. And, uh, and the fish looked great. The fish tank was beautiful. I, I told my wife, you see, babe, I told you I knew how to do this. And that night I turned off the light, went to sleep. Next morning, turn on the light, feed the fish, and they look great. And then about 2 o'clock I get a text message from my wife and says, don't get mad. Call me now. I'm thinking they broke my TV. You know, something terrible happened. She burned the house down. And she's like, babe, uh, there's a fish. Are they supposed to be swimming backwards, upside down? And I'm like, uh, no. How many? No, just one. I'm like, take it out right now. It's going to contaminate the fish. She's like, no, that's gross. <laughs> and so then I forgot to get a little net because I didn't think my fish were going to die. <laughs> and so I get home about 6.30, take the fish out, and just think it's just a coincidence that one of my fish died, but I still had two fish. So we looked at the fish that night, put them to sleep, wake up the next morning. I got Michael Phelps in my tanks doing the backstroke. and My second fish is dead, but, but then there was one fish. That night I put him to sleep. He was still alive. I just said goodnight. The next morning, third day, he's alive. Day and night, fourth day. I'm like, you made it. You made it. The three days. I get home from work that night, and he is by a tree, just there, still. And I, I walk up to the tank, and I start hitting the tank, and he's not moving. I'm like, oh, he's tired, you know. And so I eat dinner. I come back. He's still there. Man, I'm in denial. This fish is in my tank. People that have been to my house, this fish was in my tank for weeks. And people come, oh, you got a fish tank. Oh, what's wrong with that fish? No, he's tired. He's been swimming all day. And guys, the truth is, my fish tank is here this morning. Here's the tank, half full, the filter, this little wheel that I couldn't figure out what it was for, <laughs> this light. And um, the truth is this, if I would have just listened to that 15-year-old girl, she was probably like 21, but in my mind, she was 15, didn't know what she was talking about. If I would have just listened and if I would have been obedient to what she was telling me, my fish tank would not be here this morning, half full, would be in my house, full of fish. For me to enjoy, for my son to enjoy. But because I was impatient, because I was disobedient, here it is to my shame. Two months later, useless. In the back of my house, my wife telling me every day, when are you going to throw that thing away? I'm like, honey, I can't throw that away. She's like, why? I'm like, because I paid too much money for it. I can't throw it away. And, um, and guys, the truth is this. So many of us live our lives the very same way. 
doing things the way we want to do it. People try to give us advice, people that have experience, and we're like, man, leave me alone. This is my life. Let me live life the way that I want to live it. And let's not even talk about God. We know what God wants us to do in our life, and we're like, God, give me a break. You know, I, you know, I know what I'm doing. You hear the pastor talking about stuff, and you're like, yeah, yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't go with, with my life, and he's not really talking to me. That's for other people. But the thing is, we don't look to God when things are going good, but then things start to go bad. And who's the first one we look at? We look at God, and we're like looking at God and saying, God, why? Why is this happening to me? God, I'm a good person. I come to church every once in a while. I'm not bad to people. You know, I give the little lady with the bell at Publix a couple quarters every time I walk by. I'm a good person. God, I love you. Has anybody ever said that? God, I love you. Why me? Has anybody ever said that before? God, why me. I know I've said it sometimes. And you know what God says back to us? It's your memory verse for today. He says, well, if you love me, then obey my commandments. If you really love me, if it's true, the relationship that you say that you have with me, then you would obey my commandments. You know what I've been hearing a lot of? I've been hearing people say, man, these are just different times, Mark. Stuff is crazy. I mean, look at the state of our economy. Look at the wars. Look at the hunger. Look at the people dying of AIDS. Look at the suicide rate. Look at teenage pregnancy. Mark, things are just crazy. Things were never like this before. Like Satan, he's learned. He's been around for a long time. He's just doing stuff differently. So is sin something that's new? Is evil something that's new? Or is Satan now, he's on the internet now. He's on satellite TV. And so that's why so many people are falling. But the truth is this, it's been the same forever. He's been attacking us the very same way since the beginning of time. And I'm going to prove it to you. In your outline and on the screen, you'll see this, Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from the tree in the garden? Then the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God said, you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable. That's like the key thing. It was pleasing to her and she desired it. So many of us are standing on the crossroads of obedience and disobedience. And we see things that we desire. We see things that bring us pleasure. And that is when we take that next step and fall into disobedience. Think about it for a moment. Think about some time in your life where you felt that things were just going wrong. And if you would look back, you could pinpoint the day, the moment, where you decided to go after something that was pleasing, to go after something that felt good, to go after something that you desired and now time has passed and you're asking God, God, why am I in the predicament that I am in? See, Satan's been using the same tool. It was desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She liked that she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, so she didn't want to go down by herself. She wanted to take down people with her. Okay? So, you know, she just didn't want to smoke out by herself. She wanted to bring some friends. She didn't want to go to the club by herself. She wanted to bring some friends. They didn't want to watch that movie all by themselves. They wanted to invite people over. See, that's what happens sometimes with sin. You know, if there's people around us, if we could bring down some people with us, then we feel a little bit better about ourselves. And, 
If they're doing it, then it can't be that bad. She gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And that's what happens sometimes with us. We disobey God. We sin. And then we hide from God. The sound of Bob and our automated calls, Hello, this is Pastor Bob. Uh, I want to tell you something. And you're like, you cringe at the sound of that. You cringe at the sight of the Bible. You cringe at Sunday. Oh man, it's Saturday night. I just want to stay up all night because because I can't go to church because of what I did or what's going on in my life. See, that's what disobedience does. It it builds a gap between us and between God. And then check out what, what happened. He goes, and he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Okay, he's not really blaming the woman. He's blaming God. He committed sin. He disobeyed God. And now he's looking at God and saying, hey man, it's your fault. God, why did you do this to me? Why is this happening in my life? Disobedience is something. It's a tool that the enemy has been using since the beginning of time to separate us from God. Man, he's been using the same thing, the same game to deceive us for thousands of years, There are people falling into sin in this very moment as we sit here today all over the world with the same, same trick that the devil uses. And you know what? I believe that we can begin to be obedient people. I believe that as children of God, we can begin to follow God and become people that are obedient, people that are personified by living a good life, by loving their children, by loving their wives, by being honest, by not cheating by being trustworthy. I believe that God can begin to use us to be an example in this world if we begin to obey Him and apply four things that I'm going to share with you today. The first thing that we need to do in our lives to become obedient is we need to read and apply God's Word to our life. It's in your outline. Pull your outlines out. And I want you guys to fill that out. We need to read and apply God's Word in our life. And I know I hear this all the time. Hey, Mark, but I just, I'm just not a reader. You know, I pull my Bible out and I just get bored or I don't understand and, and, and I just can't do it. And, and you know what my answer to that is? You guys cannot afford to not read your Bibles and spend time with God because this is it. If you love God, it will be impossible for you to obey His commandments if you don't know what they are. It will be impossible to obey God and to actually have a relationship with God if you don't spend time with God. Think about it for a second. Think about your friendships. Think about your relationship with your wives, your husbands, your boyfriends, your girlfriends. If you didn't spend time with them, what kind of a relationship would you have? It is so important that we spend time with God every single day. And then I meet people that, man, they can quote the Bible left and right better than I can. And their lives are a mess. And the thing is, they know the Word of God, but they don't apply the Word of God to their life. See, the Bible says that that Satan knows the Word of God. Satan believes in God, but he trembles at the sound of God's name. See, we need to read the Word of God and we need to begin to apply the Word of God to our lives. I love this verse in 2 Timothy. It says this, 
All Scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It strengthens us. It strengthens us out and it teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. Hey, isn't that amazing? God wants us to have an amazing life and then He gives us His Word for us to live by. See, I believe that today we can overcome, begin to overcome temptation and become obedient people and and win this uh, challenge of obedience if we begin to read and apply God's Word to our life. Think about this. Next time you're sad, next time you're upset, next time you're feeling down, if you read and apply God's Word to your life, maybe a verse like this will pop up. It says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. I love this verse in Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And that's right out of the Word of God. And you know what? You guys can begin to apply this in your life today. In your outline, you'll notice that there's an area that you can fill out that says that you can begin to apply this in your life today by setting a specific time and a place. See, we can't just say, I want to start reading God's Word and, you know, maybe one day it's at 10 o'clock, one day it's at 5 o'clock, and if you can do that, that's great. But the best way to begin is to actually set a specific time and a specific place where you're going to do this. For some of you, you get an hour break. Maybe it's just 5, 10 minutes while you're at work. You grab your Bible or your MP3 player. You listen to the Word of God. You spend time with God every single day, and you will see how your life will begin to change. The second thing that we need to do to become obedient followers of God is we have to trust God in every single circumstance in our life, regardless of what's going on around us, regardless if we like it or not. We need to trust God, that He is God and we are just human beings. See, it's very easy for us to trust God when everything is going our way. It's very easy to trust God when our relationship with our wives and relationship with your husband is good. It's easy to trust God when your children and your parents are healthy. But man, when when times are tough, when you don't understand what's going on, it's a little bit harder to trust God. And that's where people start falling out. That's where people stop praying. That's where people stop coming to church. Man, life is just going bad. I just can't go to church. I can't spend time with God because, you know, God doesn't love me. If God loved me, I wouldn't be going through this. And let me tell you something. Personally, I'm probably going through one of the most difficult times of my life. About two months ago, um, I got a phone call from my mom. And she's like, Mark, we're, we're taking your dad to the hospital. And I'm 30 years old. My dad's 65. And, and, you know, once you start getting a little older, you prepare yourself for that phone call. You know, and, and I'm just the type of person that I like to, like, rehearse stuff in my mind and And so I thought about it so many times. One day I know I'm going to get a call. I'm going to get a call and it's going to be my mom and it's something happened to my dad. And the day I least expected it, I was getting dressed. It was a Tuesday morning and and I get this call from my mom and it's like, Mark, your dad, he collapsed and then he's in an ambulance and we're taking him to the hospital. And a couple weeks later they found out what was wrong with him. He had open heart surgery, quadruple bypass. And he had other complications, the operation. There was complications, his diabetes, this and that. And, it took forever, and um, they sewed him up, and a couple of days later, he was home. He was doing great, and it was just incredible to see him again functioning and doing the things he used to do. And, and then uh, they couldn't do one of the procedures because of his health. They, they, he was too weak, and a um, month later, they made an appointment for him to go back into the hospital to get another procedure done. procedure gets done after the operation. I talk to him. He looks great. He looks so good to me. I go home. 
And when I go home, my dad has a stroke. And he's been in the hospital for about five, six weeks and um, can't walk, can't talk that well, can't really see out of his left eye, can't move his left arm, um, can't go to the bathroom by himself, can't feed himself. And um, I I had an encounter with God and it was one night in my house and I was just crying like I've never cried before. And, And I asked God why. I'm like, God, why is this happening? My dad's a good man. He's a pastor. He loves you. Why is this happening, God? Why is this happening? Why couldn't you have just taken him, you know? And um, God reminded me of the verse I read to my dad the morning of his operation. And it was this. It was, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is one of my favorite verses that I'm about to read to you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Right now in your life, you may not understand. Maybe some of you are like I am right now. You don't understand why things are happening, why they're going down the way that they are, but God has a promise in His Word that all things, work together for the good of those who love Him. And we learn who the people that love Him, what people that love God do. People that love God obey His commandments. Okay, if we love God, if we truly love God, then we just got to rest and trust God in the circumstance that we are in. And you know what? All of us have an opportunity today to trust God. And there's a part in, in your outline where you can fill out that you can begin to trust God in this circumstance. What is the circumstance in your life? What are you going through right now? And I want to give you the opportunity to say, God, you know what? I need to trust you in this circumstance. I don't understand it. I don't understand why I'm losing my house. I don't understand why I'm not getting paid as much as I used to. I don't understand why this is happening to my children. God, but I'm going to trust you in this circumstance. And Just fill that out and, and just surrender that to God. Speaking of surrendering, the third thing that we need to do to be, become obedient followers of Jesus is we need to surrender our plans to God. We need to surrender our hopes and dreams to God. We need to say, God, these are my plans. These are my dreams. Here they are. You see, many of us are scared sometimes to surrender our plans to God because we think He's going to ask us to build an ark like in the middle of Hialeah or something. But the truth is this. If, if we read the story of Noah, the Bible's full of stories like this. If we read the story of Noah, we'd realize that it's more than God asking Noah to build an ark in the middle of the desert. It's a story of obedience. It's a story of a man who God gives a bunch of, of like rules and specific things, specific type of wood and sizes and things that he needs to do. And, and Noah fulfills that. And if we look at God's plan, we realize that God's plan for Noah's life was a lot better than the outcome that happened to the rest of the people that just drowned when the flood came about. See, Noah could have said, hey God, you know what, I, have, I think we should build the ark out of something else. And he could have done things his own way. And he could have ended up like everyone else that died in the middle of that storm. You see, some of you are thinking, okay, so Mark, how do I surrender my plans to God? See, the first thing that you need to do is actually have plans. Okay, you need to have dreams and say, Look, by this age, I, I want to be this. 
God, this is the type of house I want to live in. This is the car I want to drive. This is the school I want my kids to go to. This is the salary that I want to make by the time I'm this age. This is the age I want to retire. God, this is what I want my life to look like. See, there's nothing wrong with having dreams. There's nothing wrong with having aspirations and goals. There is nothing wrong with that. Actually, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to have the things that will allow you to be happy in this world. The problem is that we allow the things in our life that we have to get in the way of our relationship with God. See, we pray that God would give us a job. We pray that God would give us this promotion, that God would give us this raise. And now this job is getting in the way of our relationship with God. We don't have time for God anymore because now I have this job that gets in the way of my relationship with God, that gets in the way of how I used to serve in church. Now I can't serve in church anymore because God answered a prayer and now uh, my job is my God. So many people pray for houses. God, I want this house. God, for my kids and, you know, for my wife, for her to be happy. And now every Sunday you got to, you know, garden, you got to clean the pool, you got to paint the fence, you know, you got to sand the floor. You know what I mean? Um, It was a, a joke, a karate kid joke. Um, but hey, think about that. Think about people that want to buy a boat. But the only day to go out on the boat that's nice and the sun is perfect and the traffic is good and the dock isn't that busy is on Sunday mornings. Hey, God wants us to be happy. God wants us to have amazing goals and amazing dreams, but we can't allow our goals and our dreams to get in the way of our obedience to God. The truth is, by surrendering our plans to God, our success in these plans is practically guaranteed. We will be successful in everything that we do if it's no longer my agenda. But now it's God. Here is my hope. Here's what I want, and here it is in your hands. If it's your will, God, then let it happen. Give me the knowledge and the ability to manage these, these things. Guys, God wants us to be so happy. God wants us to be so full of joy. You see, there was a moment in my life where I thought that um, I knew what I wanted. There was a time in my life where I was positive that what I wanted for my future was God's will. See, I was in this Christian band, and we were playing a lot. We were traveling, going to different places, and I would have the opportunity to speak after every concert, and people would raise their hands and accept Christ. And I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And you guys know the end of the story, but let me tell you how I got there. And um, one day, I, I started coming to this church, and from the moment I walked into this church, I, I really knew that God was calling me to actually be a part of this church, to work in this church. And I said, God, no, that's not what you want from me. You want me to be a singer and and you want me to have CDs and be on the radio and to preach to thousands of people that nobody, you know, can reach. And, and one day, actually, Pastor Bob came and talked to me about that. And he's like, hey, would you like to be the worship leader here at, at the church? And I said, oh, Bob, um, you know, God has a bigger calling in my life, you know. And, and I told him about God's plan for my life and, you know, that God had given me a gift of evangelism and that singing wasn't my gift. It was just a tool that I had to preach and for people to get saved and, he said, okay, and, and um, I kept on coming to church here. I sang every once in a while. I sang backup for Bob, and best backup singer he ever had. And, uh, and one day, man, I, God body slammed me, and um, God's strong. And, uh, and God, uh, God told me, man, you know, you think that what you want to do is right, but look at your life. Are you happy? Are you really successful? Do you need to have a, two jobs and do all these crazy things and, 
and neglect your studies and neglect your girlfriend, neglect your parents because you're trying to fulfill this dream that is just your dream. Have you asked me if this is what I want for your life? And, and the day came where I actually came up to Bob and we talked and we prayed about it. And here I am today, standing before you, sharing what God's done in my life, gift that God has given me, leading worship every Sunday. And man, I am the happiest guy in the world because I allowed God to take control of my plans. I'm still doing what I like, but I'm doing it within what God wants for me and what God wants for my family. I love this verse, Proverbs 3, 5-6. through It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Guys, we've got to trust in God. Not on our own understanding, not on what we've learned in school, not on what or your abuelo or your dad told you or whatever. You've got to trust in God. You know what? You guys have an opportunity today to begin to obey God in a specific area in your life. And there's a goal, there's a dream, there's a career move. Man, there's a financial decision that you need to make. And have you offered it to God? You have an opportunity today in your outline and on the connection card. You could pull out your connection card and fill that out where it says begin obeying God in the following area. Whatever that area is. And maybe it's a school you want to go to. Maybe it's a decision that you need to make, a loan that you need to take out. Just offer that to God today and say, God, I surrender this plan to you. I will trust in you in all of my ways. And I won't lean on what some lender is telling me. I'm going to lean on what you are telling me, God. Um, I hear so many people losing their homes. I hear about so many people getting divorced. I hear about so many people losing their jobs. And I wonder if God was ever a part of the decisions that they made to get to the point where they're in. You see, we want that house. We want that car. We want that dream vacation. But was God a part of that decision? Was God a part of that plan? You see, because now we're crying out to God and wondering, God, why has this happened? And the truth is this. That if we would have surrendered our decisions back then to God, we wouldn't find ourselves in the position that we are in today. If it would have really been God's will for you to take that job, you probably would not have lost that job. And the amazing thing is that God is giving you a second chance today to begin to surrender your plans to Him. See, the fourth thing that we need to do to become obedient, and man, this is a tough one. If you guys thought the first three were hard, this is probably one of the hardest things to do, is we need to accept and confess our failures before God. See, so many times we feel that there's no way that God can ever use me because of the mistakes that I've made. There's no way that God could ever use me because of what I've done. God won't even listen to my prayers because of who I am and what I am doing right now. And that is the biggest lie that you could ever believe. See, God loves you. God wants to give you hope. God wants to give you peace. God wants to take those broken dreams and, and restore them. God wants to make your life amazing. God is not here to judge you and to make you feel guilty. See, so many people know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so whoever would believe in Him would not die but have everlasting life. And if you would just read 17, check out what it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. God is here right now to save you. God is here right now to save your financial situation. God is here right now to save your children. God is here right now to save your marriages. God is here right now to give you hope. 
But the only thing that you have to do to get that is you need to recognize where you failed and need to confess that sin to God today. There's another verse in the Bible in 1 John 1, 8-9. It says, if we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. Guys, from every wrong. There's not one thing that God would not forgive you this morning. And you guys have an opportunity today to confess that to God. There's actually, again, another portion in your outline when you can say, God, this is where I failed you. I am sorry. And you could just like by take an action right now and, and fill out that portion in your outline and say, God, this is where I'm failing you. This is the area where I failed you. Maybe it's your anger. Maybe it's you have a problem lying and not being an honest person. Maybe it's cheating. Maybe it's a problem with your wife or your husband. Whatever it is, wherever you failed God, right now just fill that out and just offer that up to God this morning. See, guys, look at this tank. This is a very simple illustration, but it is so real. This is an illustration of of an impatient father who was disobedient. And, hey, man, I, I wanted to please my son. I wanted my son to have instant gratification. I wanted him to go home and see his three little fish. And because I couldn't obey and listen to what someone told me, here it is, empty. I have the receipt right here in my pocket. Okay, October 5th, $105.58 that I just wasted because I was disobedient. And the last thing that I would want is now your life to be personified by this fish tank. Disobedience now gives you an empty home. Disobedience now gives you Empty relationships. Disobedience now gives you an empty bank account. Disobedience now is an empty desk because you had to clean it out because now you don't have a job anymore. Disobedience giving you an empty life without purpose, without meaning, a waste. See, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We can leave here today obeying God. We're at a crossroads right now. And we have the opportunity to say, yes, I'm going to become obedient. I'm going to begin to apply and read God's Word. I'm going to begin to trust God in every single circumstance. I'm going to surrender my plans to God. I'm going to accept and confess my failure. Where are you today? Where do you stand today? Are you going to live an empty fish tank type of life? Are you going to live a life that's full of God? That's full of the hope of God? I want everybody to bow their heads right now. And if you're here today, and you want to take the challenge of obedience, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Mark, I've been doing things my own way, just like you did on October 5th, and you built that tank the way that you wanted, I've been doing that with my life, I've been doing that with my finances. I've been doing that with my relationship with God. I've been doing that with the relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children. I've been doing that in every single aspect of my life, just doing things my way. And I want to take the challenge of obedience today. If you're here today and that's you, I just want to invite you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will give you the strength to live that challenge every day of your life. I want to pray that God will give you the focus that you need to read His Word every day and apply it. 
I want to pray that God will give you the strength to endure times when you don't understand why things are happening. I want to pray that God would allow you to have amazing plans and just say, God, here they are. I want success in these things, so I offer them to you. I want to pray that God would would comfort you as you confess your failures to Him this morning. Dear God, I come before you and I just thank you for these brave and honest people that are here today. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to go against the, 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 the trend that we're seeing in this world where people just doing things the way that they want to do them. God, I pray that they would begin to filter everything through you, God. That they would begin to filter everything through these four principles that they learned today. God, I thank you for them and I pray success over their life. If you're here today and, and you've never asked Christ to be your Savior, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer. Let's all pray it together. Say, Dear God, I come to you today and I say that I'm sorry. I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. That you would change my life. God, I want to be more like you. I believe you died for me. I believe you are the Son of God. In your name I pray. Amen.